Hi, welcome to this episode of Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Tell us your story. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. Today, I have Emma Adair, who is a somewhat of a new novelist and fiction thriller, but she has an amazing resume that I that she just sent me, but I, I've seen the full thing. I'd probably not be able to show it on air or have to blacken out <laughs> everything. You know, so, well, you did. Oh, you were in here. Then you were here. So what happened between there? So, but I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about your newest book, the book before. Yep. And whatever else you want to talk about, wherever it hits our fancy, we'll go ahead and talk about. All of the above. That's uh, Excellent. Yeah. My name is Ama Adair. I, I write as A.M. Adair on my, my novels. I write the L.A. Anderson series of thrillers. Um, I am a retired Navy chief warrant officer. I did 21 years of, you know, duty. Um, I was an Intel guy my entire career. I specialize in human intelligence and counterintelligence. And needless to say that period of time in my life left me with a bounty of, uh, experiences and, uh, insight that, you know, just like Let's my imagination just go wild, yes. you know, filled with yeah. what ifs. Yeah. Uh, and one day I decided to go ahead and, you know, try my hand at writing a story and kind of the rest is history. Um, now I'm, as I said, retired. Um, I am a mother of two, not including my dogs. And um, it, it, I'm still trying to get used to the equilibrium change of going from active duty to retirement and then kind of, you know, that transition of, you know, being an author, because I published my first three books while I was still active duty. And now this will be my first one that I've published as a retiree, you know, getting back into the civilian world. I tell you, I retired uh, 27 years ago after 20 years in the Army. And Bravo. Thank uh, you for your service, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, The paycheck (laughs) is amazing. (laughs) And I would highly recommend going to the VA. Yes. Just, uh, that just because yes. you, you earned it, you deserve it. Um, yeah. So great. So you, so you're in the Navy. Did you go like right out of college, right out of high school? What? I Actually, mean, no. officer typically comes from an enlisted rank. It did, and I, I, I did it the hard way. So I never anticipated going into the military. It wasn't in the cards for me growing up. But you know, life happens differently than you anticipate when you're a teenager, or even in college. Mm-hmm. And for me, I I was in college and working to pay for college and then eventually just working. And then September 11th happened and it shifted my entire worldview. And I found out not only was I very patriotic, but I was really pissed off. And <laughs> so... That's um, a lot work. Yeah, yeah, still. I, still. <laughs> I, I walked into the recruiter's office. I told him, hey, I want to travel the world. I want to learn foreign languages and I want to jump out of airplanes. And they looked at me like, are you sure you know where you are? <laughs> this is the <laughs> Navy recruiter office. Yeah. Um, they really didn't know what to do with me. But mm-hmm. uh, I ended up enlisting uh, as an intelligence specialist after a myriad of mm-hmm. events uh, on my 22nd birthday. They actually oh, sang awesome. me happy birthday in MEPS as I was processing. Um, and then I was in boot camp, 28 September 2001, and so it was it was game on for me from that, as right. you can imagine. You know, I joined when we were already at war, not mm-hmm. peacetime going to war. So that's what I knew. Yeah. Um, and and that was military life for me. That that it it started out as being just mm-hmm. a tour, 
And I told myself, you know, just go as long as you're still enjoying it, still feel yes. like, you know, this is the direction for you. And then next thing you know, I wake up and I'm like, whoa, I'm getting ready to retire. You're getting 214. Like, whoa, awesome. <laughs> Well, since I transitioned from enlisted to officer, actually, I have two DDD two fourteen. One for my enlisted time and Ah. one for retirement. So, what people don't if people don't know, so uh, you have enlisted, you have warrant, and you have commissioned. Typically, warrant officers are specialists in their field of expertise, and that's what they focus on. Enlisted could be. You know, I was at 19 Delta, but I you know, drove Bradley fighting vehicles, Humvees, flew in helicopters, all sorts of stuff. A commissioned officer can be from a branch perspective, but then after a certain rank, they become more administrative and then they, they pick whatever. So you were highly specialized and an expert in your field. So that's what the warrant officers typically do. It, that is 100% correct. And the other added benefit is the Navy's different than all the other mm-hmm. branches and the way that they do their rank structure and the way they treat their senior enlisted, the, you know, the chief's mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a warrant kind of gave me still a leg in the chief's mess. So, you know, that senior enlisted mm-hmm. cadre that kind of makes the Navy run mm-hmm. and the wardroom with all the, you know, the straight stick officers, the people that came in as an officer or yeah. commissioned another route. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it has a lot of value, not just being the subject matter expert, but be able to be the voice of the chief in the wardroom and then being able to understand what's going on in the wardroom for the chief's mess and kind of bridge mm-hmm. that gap. Yeah. I used to, uh, I remember well, when I went and, when I flew as a left front seat of OH 58, we had at the army time at high school, the flight school. So there was yep. folks getting out of high school and going, you know, going through basic, going to Fort Rucker. And then we get out of flight school, probably 19 years old. And, you know, here I am, I'm 20, 23, 24 years old. And I'm like, man, I'm older than this guy flying. They're pretty good. <laughs> and then you fly with the, then when I was at Fort Riley, I flew in a blues platoon and UEs. And these guys were Vietnam uh, pilots, warrant officers. It was like an extension of their body. It was amazing how they flew yeah. those things. Then as I started flying with commissioned officers, it was great until up there around major lieutenant colonel. Then I'm like, Okay, can we get like a rather than a lieutenant? Because you don't fly enough. You know, you're, no. <laughs> you're flying the desk. But I think it was all good. I mean, that's that's kind of the only thing. So how? And I, I agree with you that the army or the military in general, you have these life experiences that come back later, and say, that could be a good story or part of a story mm-hmm. or a character in a book or something. So how did you? come up with that what happened was it like an epiphany or did you just oh i want to write something you know i'd always wanted to write something but it was always more for me i wanted i liked writing i kind of i mean when i was a kid when i kept my diary i would actually write it as if it was a narrative just because that was fun it was a creative outlet you know i i'd read a lot of books like that when i was a kid that read like that um but it really was um, my last deployment to Iraq in 2010, I had a real life experience that ended in that what if, that what if. And then even as after I left that deployment, I, it just kept gnawing at me. And it's just in the back of my head, I had this scene that just kept playing in my head. And, you know, I stutter stepped with writing a story, you know, kind of with that scene in mind, but I tried to force it to get to that point. And that's what I realized I was doing it wrong. And then I was on a yet another deployment 
And I decided, you know what? I'm too old to be going out with all the kids doing all like the partying and the drinking and you know all the sightseeing. And yeah. so I took my laptop to a coffee shop. And when we had downtime, I just started writing. And that time it worked. And so I kind of used it more as an inspiration for a world and a character and a storyline instead of a, I'm going to write this scene. Right. So, right. Amazing. But, so is that how you write now? Do you, do you, can you write, you have to be in a sterile environment or do you not mind uh, ambient or white noise? I have to have something going on around, generally speaking, music. It's like, right. I, I know you listen to country. I I have some country in uh, my Inspire playlist, but I literally have a playlist that I turn on anytime I want to get in the right headspace. Yes. And for the most part, it is rock and roll. Oh, I do love rock and roll. <laughs> the heavier, the better. I, I love yeah, my hard yeah. rock. So, um, But I do. I, I will go and I will put on my headphones and I will just get back into that world as fast as I can. But if it's too quiet, I my, my head starts going off in different directions. Or right. maybe it's because I'm a mom. And I have a four-year-old, right. you know, quiet equates to danger. So <laughs> it, it just doesn't work. Where's that cowbell? Um, I don't hear yeah. the cowbell. <laughs> Gonna put it, that's a great idea. I need to, that, that. I would know he was coming then. Oh, I got, I got five grandkids. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I love rock and roll. It's an interesting story. I think I've maybe told it before, but I was going to Pittsburgh. Out of, I live in Dallas area. So I mm-hmm. go to Pittsburgh for work and I go to the gate. And there's this guy all dressed in black, black fingernails, tattoos. I mean, it's kind of spooky. So I, I get up there. I got, I had upgraded the first class because I, I flew, I flew like a million miles. I was, you know, ready. And the seat next to me is open. I'm like, ah, you know, I got the whole first class little world to myself. Yeah. And then the last person in, he sits down next to me and by the window. I mean, I was going to move over to the window. And you know, so I'm pretty extroverted. I guess that's a good word. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I said, cool tattoos. He goes, well, thank you. I said, where'd you get them all? He goes, oh, I got some in South America, Europe, Asia, United States. I'm like, holy cow. And then he says, uh, so what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to uh, Pittsburgh, uh, doing some work for PNC Bank for a couple of days, you know. I go, well, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm just flying in from LA. I got a night, then we're going to somewhere else. I go, hmm. So what kind of work do you do? He goes, I'm in a band. I go, well, really? What band? Motley Crue, it was Nikki Six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that's so cool. Yeah, that, he was the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. I mean, Hello, we sat at BS for two hours, and you know, and I, I, I didn't ask for an autograph for nothing. But it was so cool. He was so nice. I mean, I tried to get the you know get the inside scoop of when mm-hmm. I mean, they grew up together. And they started in, in the garage, and they all they don't. At that time, I guess they didn't see each other as much as they because they have families and kids and whatever. But he was the nicest guy in the world. I love it. See, those yeah. are the moments that stick with you. Like, and yeah. you know, you start writing that in a story, and I was like, that yeah. would never happen. It's like just proof positive. The truth is always stranger than fiction. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> so what? Uh, so how did you uh, do? You sit down and say, "I'm going to write every day." That you, is. Are you fully retired, yep. or do you have another? Uh, Thing you what you do during the day? I, I have a few Other different things I'm, I, I'm doing. So my life is kind of a myriad of things that I like to do at this point. So it, it is tradition. It's transitioned over the years. You know, yeah. uh, once upon a time, I, the only time I had to write was after everybody went to bed because mm-hmm. I was active duty. Plus, I was a parent. Yeah. There was no time to sit and write. So I would do the 
you know, stay up after everybody went to bed and write like sometimes in the dark just to make sure nobody's getting up. But I also was used to not sleeping for days at a time, which not healthy. And, you know, know, again, I... I'm retired now, and the VA is very aware of how not healthy I am. I, but- I, I've, I've woken up and not realized <laughs> I went to sleep, and I thought a tank was about to hit us. And I screamed. Uh, I said, what are you doing? I go, you're moving. I go, I'm not moving. I go, whoa. <laughs> some rest, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, when the world starts moving and it's not really moving, you yeah. know, you're tired. Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, over the years, I, I tried a different bunch of different things to try to make myself be you know, more disciplined in you know, my craft. And now it's gotten to the point where I just, I write every day, one way or the other, I write every day. It might not be on one particular project or another because I've got multiple things going on, but I write every day. And so I get up, I take care of the kids, get them off to school or daycare. And then I come home, grab my coffee, and I sit my ass in front of the computer. And there you, go. you know, now I'm in school, so I have to divide my time between you know what I have to do for schoolwork and then what I want to do. So you know, I'm some days I might front load assignments so that way I get through them faster to get more right. time on the end of the week. But right. one way or the other, I'm doing something every single day. Um, and so when I'm writing, I like to try to do a word count just to make me feel like I, yes. I really got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where it's like, even if I write one sentence or, you know, a hundred sentences, I still wrote and I, mm-hmm. that is progress. Cause you know, a little and a little is a lot. So one word today is two words, three words. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I give myself a little bit of grace on that. It, it does add up. I mean, I try, I try to write every day. Some people are like, okay. Uh, or uh, because I, I retired last August. And wonderful, then, isn't it? It, it is great, <laughs> especially if you know all the different checks coming in. So, uh, <laughs> and then in uh, February, January last year, I'm like, you know, I was in Germany with my wife. I'm always German, so we came home. And I was like, man, I'm bored. So, yeah. What's that like? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know. Okay. Uh, so, what I did, because I didn't want to work all day, because I didn't want to write. I am a monitor on a special education bus. So I sit there with that, the kiddos. That keeps you busy. That's some story. Oh, I can only imagine. Well, anybody who's on any bus with any yeah. amount of kids, I mean, that is just, that is next level. So bravo. Yeah. That, that I, I can't even comprehend it. Like some days I don't even want to be in the car with my own kids. I just so. call it privates. <laughs> there you go. private. <laughs> <laughs> That works perfectly. Uh, no, I'm not. Hey, come on, Alan ISD. I don't really say that. No, no, no I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, so you've written, you've written uh, two books. You're on three. Your, the three fourth books, one's going. Yep. And one is uh, soon, soon to be released. Oh, so talk about the series. Okay. And then let's hear about the the latest book. So my series is the L. Anderson series. Obviously, L. Anderson is my protagonist. And what it is, I took a CIA covert ops team, and I'm talking full-on black ops, Mm -hmm. and I put them in the impossible situation. This is the team that you call on when everything else has failed. You're not getting the results that you need, and of course, you still need deniability. And so their specialty is the impossible task. 
And it starts off, you know, being in Iraq, going for more conventional targets, so the things that we're used to seeing over the last 20 years. And it evolves. And it evolves because bad things happen to my protagonist. This is not yeah. a damsel in distress. There is no knight in shining armor. Bad things happen and there are there's fallout, there's consequences, and you know, she deals with things like the small team dynamics, having to learn to cope and deal with, you know, post-traumatic stress, recovering from traumatic injuries, and then still wanting to be in the field, but being sidelined. So we go through all of that. And eventually I bring her back home as a burned spy. And that opens the aperture for everybody who has issue with her or the agency in general to come after her, particularly her ex-handler. And the I don't want to give anything away for anybody who has not read all the way up to Shadow War, but and I initially thought of this as a three-book storyline. Like everything culminates at the end of Shadow War, which is my third. Very proud of it. But Elle wasn't done with me, as it turns out. So I sat down to write a fourth book, and my intent was to have another character be my main protagonist and tell it from his point of view. Uh, Elle really was just itching to get back in there. And so I let her and I ended up with a uh, like two POV story. So I have two main protagonists and they mm. bounce back and forth as they go through. Now I have a character who's essentially doesn't exist. I have okay. a killer who doesn't exist. And what do, what happens when somebody with that high of a prey drive, that high of motivation now is completely unfettered? There is nothing holding her back from doing whatever she wants to do. And that is what I explored in the fourth book. It is dark. Okay. It, it's darker than um, my previous ones. And I really, really like the way it turned out. Yeah. So I'm really excited <laughs> awesome. to, to see how people react to it. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate that the third book was... Uh, picked as the action adventure winner for the independent press awards. It was a finalist for killer Nashville. And I have high hopes for a new game, which is book four in the series when it comes out that it's going to crush. And, uh, I'm going to add some more like little cool, little accolades to that title. Little by little. Oh yeah. Thanks. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I was, I was talking to somebody. I was doing a book signing or something. I was talking about the book. He goes, oh, so your book's like an old Tom Clancy. I go, yes. That is because, a big compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I want, I, I do a lot of research for a book because I have to, and I do a lot of uh, like CIA or geospatial or a lot of that stuff, but I want it to be believable. Right. It's, it's got to mm-hmm. be. So I do a lot of research on, you know, streets and areas and, everything but you do a lot of research for i mean you you have a wealth or a plethora of uh, <laughs> knowledge already from you know just your experience i i do research on things that i'm not as well versed in but because of like that that plethora of experience i've had i'm mm-hmm. able to draw on those real life things which some of the funniest crit- critiques I've gotten of people have been like, well, obviously she has no idea what she's talking about. She's never been to this place, this place <laughs> or this place. And I'm like, no, I just uh, lived there for six months. Yeah. I don't I've never seen it. I love um, those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do dump it, jump into things that you know I'm not as well versed in. You know, I, I I read a lot. I pick up a lot of things. You know, I I learn from other people's experiences too. 
but I still want to make sure that I'm doing a service to anything else I put in. For example, um, in Shadow War, there is an, a subplot that deals with human trafficking. And I felt like I had a good yeah. grasp on it, but I wanted to make sure I got the details right. And, you know, beauty of being military is there's a network of people that I worked with and one served with in one capacity or another that I can reach out to. And uh, one of the guys I worked with when I was with the SEAL teams was the COO of a group that hunts down human traffickers. So I, I took an early copy of that section that I was working in my manuscript and sent it to him and had him QA it for me just to make sure yep. I was hitting the right notes, using the right language. And then he sent me back some, you know, some notes and some details. And that I love that relationship. Uh, you know, I've had uh, somebody who delves into mental health really look at how I was portraying, you know, certain aspects of my character's post-traumatic stress to make sure that I was hitting the correct notes. And um, it's like, because my version of stress is very different than what I put my character through. So I I don't want to make her have my symptoms when it wouldn't fit her character. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, Um, certainly. But yeah, so there's uh, equal parts, life experience and equal parts making sure I got it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I try to make sure it's uh, geographically correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dialogue and, you know, technology, even though I make a lot of it up, but it's based on stuff. And it is. Whether uh, I was in uh, Virginia, my son lives in Virginia. I'm actually going there on Thursday to do a book signing on Saturday in uh, a brewery called Eavesdrop. And the reason why I, that's my second book signing there. The reason is when I was ending my first book, we were sitting out there. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just a great place. Beer is fantastic. Atmosphere, everything. I go, this is a place a team needs to go after a mission to decompress. So I put it in the book. And then I put it in the second book. It's in my third book. <laughs> and so I do book signings there. Um, and we were oh, talking decompression stop stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a few. And uh, yeah. the um, so someone I was talking with, uh, she, she goes like, "How do you how do you know this stuff?" You know, I'm talking about the I go I don't I make it up. She goes, "That's interesting." <laughs> so like, that's a big compliment. Yeah, so it it's fun, and I, I love to do the research mm-hmm. because I love to go to a party and start talking about that stuff, and then everybody leaves. just keep right on going no and i and i get it it's like it sometimes you know i have to be careful when i'm looking into something that catches my interest because i don't want it to overtake the story um but i I do the same thing if like something catches my fancy i want to know more about it and so i will i will just keep looking um but there's a few things like for example in a new game my fourth book there was a a subplot line that I really liked, but did not fit for the story, but I didn't lose it. I kept it. And now I am, I'm writing a novella and I actually, because I am in film school, I've actually outlined an entire feature film based on that idea. So just because it didn't work for me in one section didn't mean I couldn't use it later. And now I'm kind of flushing that one out. So, you know, one way or the other, whether, you know, I got a little bit of of time left in film school, but I'm going to turn that into a script, but I'm also going to have a novella that I'm hoping to put out next year for it just because I really liked the idea, mm-hmm. but 
it didn't fit for my main series. So, so that, I even I have a page on IMDb. Outstanding. Uh, and so my nephew years ago. He came to me and said, Uncle Travis, he goes, I want to write, I want to make a movie. I'm writing a screenplay and everything. I go, great. When, you, when, you, when you're done, let me see it. And I'll, I'll give you the money to, to make the movie. Outstanding. And, uh, well, I never thought he'd finish. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. And he came to me one day. He goes, hey, Uncle Travis, I want to make a 30-minute short. Uh, I, liked, I liked it. And so I said, okay, let's go out, you know, let's go out to eat. And I got one of these big old golf checks, you know, and put the amount and gave it to him at the restaurant. It looked like, a, you know, he won a golf tournament. And uh, so he made it, it was called uh, Yield, and it's very good. So, uh, I mean, it was interesting because I'd go watch him make the movie. And when you're the executive producer, they treat you very nice. That you had know? to be so cool. Oh, it was very cool. And it was, it, it was interesting. It was a good uh, – you know, kind of diversion. So, yeah, I have a little page on IMDb, and I'm not at the bottom of the list either numerically, so I'm happy <laughs> about that. But now that, that, that affords me to do other things, right? Exactly. Because, like, you can build points. You can do screenwriting. It's a, it's a, it's a way to get into that, uh, that genre or whatever. Well, that making that transition for me actually – kind of came naturally is I, I, you know, I was writing my books, I'm mm. independently published, so I'm not beholden to, you know, any traditional publishing company. But I had a, again, somebody else who was in the Navy, who is, you know, in the Hollywood world, who's also, you know, a reservist in the Navy reach out to mm. me and saying, Hey, we have questions, we're building a pilot around this idea. Can you help? And mm -hmm. absolutely. So I started having meetings with them and just kind of being their subject matter expert to be able to help them kind of polish up their concept. And then they awesomely, as they are, brought me in. So I was actually able to be a part of oh, the nice. pitch. So I got to have my first experience pitching uh, studios and we had some great, great opportunities. Um, it didn't pan out, but you know, they also kind of warned me that ahead of time. It, we weren't pitching during prime pitching time. Yeah. Um, but the experience was, were invaluable. And then because of that, you know, I got to pitch some other things and I got to mm -hmm. take some other meetings and I, uh, had an opportunity to be in, um, you've probably heard of a writer's room, but I, it, this was a little bit different. It was, a, we called it a threat room because it was for a video game, like figuring out the story of a video game. And I loved it so much that it was just like, this is something I want to do. So I had a couple of opportunities where I was shortlisted to get into the writer's room on a couple of TV shows. But because my resume does not have any script writing, I don't have any film school, I don't have anything other than my novels, I couldn't get past the studios, which granted, can't say I blame them. But at the same right. time, I'm like, you put me in there, I'm going to get her done. Um, right. So I decided to remedy that. And that's what sent me back to film school. I was like, I don't have the credentials. I'll go get the credentials. I, this way, I'll, I'll have the fundamentals. I'll have the tech speak. I'll have all those things that can give the warm fuzzy to somebody who's an executive to give me the opportunity. And it's like, and I have no problem being the, the coffee getter. You know, I'll be the gopher. I'll be the note taker. I will pay my dues, but I just want to be in the room. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm shifting my focus is away from doing novels. I'm not going to stop because I like it too much, but I really am focusing more towards screenplays um, with the intent of getting in a writer's room. Right. Yeah, I do. I, I looked at doing some screenwriting for my first book because I put people submitted it ought to be a movie. 
is it a movie? Is it true? The first guy to say it's not true. Uh, it's all fiction. <laughs> um, so yeah. So why why did you pick uh, publishing your own book versus going out? So I, I initially went traditional. You know, I went out, got an agent, did all the things you're supposed to do, and then I kind of forgot about it. I know that sounds terrible, but again, I was active duty. So yeah, yeah. I left it in my agent's hand and he would send me back, hey, we got this rejection, got these notes. And, you know, I would take it all with a grain of salt, but I, I kind of knew this was going to be the process. So I didn't worry about it because it mm. wasn't my job. If, and I know that sounds terrible, but for me, this was just something fun to do at the time. Um, and then I went on deployment. And while I'm on deployment, I'm looking around, everybody's got an e-reader, whether it's an app on their phone or an actual e-reader, nobody's carrying books anymore. And all right. I kept thinking is, well, why am I waiting for a traditional publishing house when I can publish right now and be available to everybody who's around me reading books? Yes. I was doing the same thing. You know, as soon as I got a Kindle, it's like if I could take a Kindle or eventually the app and that's mm -hmm. all, I could have hundreds of books at my fingertips. I'm not packing, you know, 20 pounds worth of books to take with me right. on travel anymore. Um, and so I called up my agent and said, Hey, can we do this? And he has a, a hybrid thing. So I was, I, I have support, I have backing, but it is still traditional publishing. Um, but then I was, my book came out and it wasn't, it was so simplified that I was like, well, why didn't I do this in the first place? Right. Um, 2020 hindsight, there's a lot of questions, and a lot of things I would have absolutely done differently. And I think it would have had a lot different outcome, but I'm happy where it is. And I think because I went traditional or non-traditional, went independent, mm -hmm. it allowed me to do other things like explore like independent consulting and to mm -hmm. be on my own timelines, which lets me like, the best thing is when one of my author colleagues reaches out and says, hey, will you read my manuscript and give me mm -hmm. your thoughts? So like, mm -hmm. that is the greatest thing ever. And I'll I have time for that. Oh, <laughs> happy to, happy to, you know, like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an honor, but at the same time, I'm getting a sneak peek at a pretty cool story. And so right. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Right. Um, but I really do love that aspect of being able to help finesse a story, you know, bring a, a story to life, uh, take a concept and flesh it out. And I think that's why I like readers rooms. That's why I like being able to help anybody with their manuscripts. I like pinging ideas off of each other and it, it, it's just a high. So I want to keep doing it. So you have four books. Mm -hmm. How many have you started? Uh. And have not? <laughs> I, I've been writing, this is my, my third book. I've, I've started, I think five times, but what I'm finding out is a lot of stuff that I wrote earlier, the different versions. Mm-hmm. I could use it in the version I'm writing now because I don't like to yep. write a single plot, right? I like to put different th timelines yeah. and different things going on at the same time, but at the end, they, they make sense altogether. Truth be told, and this is going to sound terrible. I've lost track of how many like <laughs> times I started yeah. something and did not finish it, which is yeah. terrible. And I highly regret not holding on to it because there, there are ideas there that I'm trying mm -hmm. What was that? That was a lesson learned for me is like to keep notes about what I've already written in a yeah. book or any ideas that have happened, you know, like finally learning how to do something as simple as using the notes app on my phone. So when I have one of those yes. ideas hit my head, yeah. I'm not searching for a pen or paper, just type it out real quick. So that way I don't lose it. 
maybe yeah. it's age, you know, but my, uh, like, oh, I'll no, remember uh, that later thing. Yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> I well, need if I wrote assist. it down, I wouldn't be able to read it in about five minutes. Like, what is a scribble? <laughs> I'd be like that, that Seinfeld episode where he's trying to figure out that joke and he's showing everybody, what is this? He goes, that's not funny. Nope. Oh, that, that's not even a joke. You know, so uh, when he figures out what it is, yeah, I, I, I'm terrible. I've started keeping a list. Uh, I have like cut scenes or just scene ideas. So instead of me trying to force a story, I write out the scene that's in my head to get it out. But then mm -hmm. when I have a plot that goes that direction, I, now it's something I can pull on and use yeah. in the future. Um, and then well, I, like to, I like to complete a scene. If I'm writing if, it, I want to complete yep. it. I want to get like, it done. When I, when I was writing a new game, you know, I, I had the intention of having it be, like I said, more from a, my male protagonist's mm. point of view. And I, I was like, man, wouldn't this be fun if it was kind of like first blood, you know, where like each perspective's told from the other characters, like 100% first person viewpoint, and they're like chasing each other and fight, you know, and that kind of back and forth, which was so, so great about what David Morrell did. Yeah. But it ended up being more of a collaborative. It started opposing, becoming collaborative, but in the first couple of chapters, I had this scene that just kept just jumping in my head and it wouldn't go away until I wrote it out. But I didn't yep. try to force it in there. I just, new document, write out yep. the scene, save it for later. And it ended up coming back and fit perfectly later. Yeah, I do a so, lot of that. So glad I wrote it down. But yeah. Um, yeah also, you got, you, you got 20,000 words and you look at all the other stuff you, you wrote, you can put it in there and go, man, now I got 60. <laughs> so yep. I'm, yep. I'm almost done, you know, halfway done yep. or whatever. Well, and for the longest time, I really, I was a pantser. I mean, I might have a general yeah. framework, but when I got started, it was just a feeling, an idea in a direction. And I, I had fun with it because I was discovering the character and what happened as the character was doing it, which was great. And it keeps writing fresh and new for me. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, I started making sure I was keeping notes. I wanted to cut, check for continuity, you know, and now again, cause I'm in film school. I, I've done my first outline. I like, I have a 16 bead outline for a feature film. I'm like, Oh, I've never done that before. This is awesome. This whole outline thing might not be so bad. Ouch, you know? that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Who hit me? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I will never get to the point where like RL Stein will outline with such detail that it's almost like he's written the mm. novel, like dialogue and everything. Yeah. So when he writes the novel, it's like nothing, but right. I, it was nice to just kind of work, do the fun, creative, okay, where would my story go and yeah. how to break it down and expand upon it. So that way it's not overwhelming was super cool. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm fully on board with being a pure outline person, but it is definitely a tool that I will continue to use. I like using a uh, mind map. So I, I mind map it out and that I can make sure that if I say something here, that I follow it up over here or wherever. Oh, yeah. So I just use a mind map. Uh, no, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And I haven't tried that, and I might fiddle with it. Um, I, I fully admit, old school, I, I still default to old school. Get out, you know, a, a legal pad and a pencil and go for it. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I'm really trying to write nice, and I really start writing, then I start thinking so fast. Then I just, then I go, it oh, ends up going I everywhere. lost it. I lost it. So yeah, that's a problem. No. So where can everybody get a hold of you? So I, I'm on social media as much as I despise social media. I do social media. Um, that's as how you we can got a hold of each other on uh, It Twitter. is. Or yep. X, or whatever you want or to call it. X. 
Now, as you can imagine, given my background, like it was just like getting punched in the gut every time I even thought about putting something out on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to warm up to the idea and I'm still (laughs) struggling with it. But I do try to keep, you know, be present on social media. I love engaging with anybody who positively engages with me. I even like healthy discourse, like, you know, um, but you can get to my website amadare.com. You can get to all my social media, all my uh, podcast interviews, uh, news, all the books, uh, reviews, everything is linked there. So you can pretty much get to whatever you like. And then I would absolutely be honored you know, if everybody picked up one of my books and to give her a shot. I know thrillers are not for everyone. And right. my my thrillers, you know, is a little dark. So it's, it's like it, Harry Potter, right? They got darker as a series book. It did it did yeah. but you know truth be told when i wrote my books i was like me nobody's gonna read this except for maybe my mom and then i thought about it, like no my mom would never read this book and then she shocked <laughs> me when she act she's read all my books and i haven't gotten yelled at oh wow, like, that's I, good or bad yeah, is, that good? Yeah, is that good or bad I, I will take it as a compliment because <laughs> she is being supportive but i know it's got to be killing her because there's definitely language and content that is not mom yeah. approved no well, you know that's a thriller for you it's yep, an yep. adult thriller. Yeah, it is. Late teen, maybe. It, or something. It, it, is, it is absolutely, you know, I highly recommend 18 or uh, above. And I probably yeah. should put some like trigger warnings on, especially my first book. But um, I, I would be honored to have anybody, you know, follow along with this journey. And then as I tradition into screenwriting, I will be sure to keep everybody in the loop with that as well, because Excellent. film school is pretty awesome. And yeah. You know, at the end of this, I'm going to have a pilot for a TV series and I'm going to have a movie and it's going to be sweet. Man, I might have to go back to school. It's great. (laughs) Well, let me let me say this just real quick is like if it hadn't been for the fact that uh, my film school is entirely online, it might not have happened because one, it gives me all the flexibility I want. And two, there is no way I'm moving to Los Angeles for two and a half years. That is not happening. (laughs) I uh, my mom is from LA or was was from LA. Uh, I loved it, but there's no way that I would move back there. Uh, yep. Even though it's a beautiful, beautiful place, but nope. I love, I Texas love and, visiting. Uh, I won't. T- yes, I, I did a lot of that. So, what what advice would you give a new author or whoever? Uh, you know, what kind of the bullet points there? Uh, bullet points are: remember, this is a marathon; it is not a sprint there are going to be ups and downs and take each as a learning point because then it only makes you better. Every critique, every what you might perceive as a step ba- setback only makes you better and make sure you have the right reason for doing what you want, uh, doing publishing, doing writing. If you're getting into it to be a mega millionaire and to be a superstar, probably not the right line of work for you. But if you have a love of storytelling and a passion for reading and getting people to read, you are absolutely in the right business. And just keep that in mind as kind of your guiding star. Excellent. Excellent. So where where can everybody get you, find you? And then the last book, give us a little snippet. Snippet? Okay. Yeah. So you can find, you can get my books on Amazon or you can get them from me on my website. Obviously I can't do Kindle on my website, but I, you can get signed editions from me. Um, and then 
I don't know. I I mean, I could read you a little bit of just well, the very first chapter. I why like this would be that? a this will be a first heard. So this will be an exclusive just here. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Oh, this is exclusive. <laughs> so, let's see. An all too familiar fusion of metallic odors made his mouth dry and his teeth ache. Blood and gunpowder. That was 10 minutes ago. Now he barely noticed it. The impact from the smell was eradicated by the scene before him. This was different than the previous crime scenes. Even the kills in the other areas of the house had a cold, methodical feel to them. This felt like rage. Navy SEAL turned CIA covert operative Julian Saunders kept his expression neutral as he stood beside the female victim, waiting for the coroner to give the okay to move the body. He wasn't comfortable in his more te- technician attire, but he needed to keep a low profile. Sorry, I gotta slip the page. The other victims he passed on the main floor of the house, all men, had been riddled with bullets. Automatic weapon from the look of things, but with lethal accuracy. They had died quickly. Lucky them. The men in the second floor hallway hadn't fared as well. They were riddled with holes, and the blood splattered everywhere said it took them a long time to die, but at least all their parts were still attached. Julian surveyed what had to be the master bedroom. There was a female Vic at his feet and a male Vic on the bed, and there had to be more than four pints of blood, and you didn't need to be a forensic expert to know the red sprays covering the walls were arterial. Exactly how many people died in this room? Very good. It's about the first two. Well, very uh, four paragraphs. Oh, illustrated. It's almost mm. illustrated, right? It's, it's, you can see the. You can see it. If, you know. Thank you. I I love that, and yeah. you know, I and hope I, everybody will enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> the metallic taste in your Do mouth. You feel it when I when I go out and uh, you know shoot right. Mm-hmm. Instant, I know. I mean, it just you know sounds, but everything just instantly. I know it's sensory. Know, yeah, I, that sensory yes. puts you right in the moment. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, that so, was great. Go ahead. I hope everybody really does enjoy it. And like I said, it is. It, it was a lot of fun for me to write. It is different than the first three, and I'm anticipating at least one, if not two, more of this storyline. And um, and then there will be a no- novella coming out next year. Um, after that, there'll be movies and screenplays that I'll be able Hello to share to with everybody. <laughs> Watch a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. Um, I, as you should. <laughs> I, I still should do. Still. I know. What's wrong with <laughs> uh, So, great. Well, outstanding meeting you. And folks, go check her out. Check out the books, uh, the different formats, whatever uh, you're more inclined to read. And make sure that when October. you read, put a, a review out on Amazon. Or oh, yes. It doesn't matter if it's a star or you write some text. It doesn't matter. But those mean a lot in the, in the big old world of ranking. It does, especially if you're an indie author. Author, like even if you write, you know, I liked it, and that's all you write. the The Amazon algorithm doesn't know the difference. It yeah. just takes that as a written review, and it matters so much. Uh, yes. So please, please, like the 30 seconds, you don't even have to buy on Amazon to do a review. You can get it from me. You could get a book from a friend and you can still go on Amazon and do the review. And it helps so much for the indie authors to stand out. Exactly. Exactly. So again, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for appreciate yours. It. Wow, we had a good time. 
uh, appreciate it, what you've done. And uh, we're looking to see you uh, on the big screen. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And go check her out. Check out the books. Thank you so much for right. having me. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Author Eke. There'll be another episode next week. Please stop by and start your own story. We can't wait to hear it.